Hi, it's Marco here. Just before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode is available on our YouTube channel as a video podcast as well. So you can see not only myself and Tarek, but this week's brilliant guest. So head on over there. We've put a link in the podcast description and you can watch this episode as well as listen to it. So why not do that and uh, give us a follow while you're there? That would be great. But now we'll get straight into the episode. Hi and welcome to episode 134 of Page One, the Writer's Podcast. I'm Tarek. And I'm Marco and thanks for joining us on the podcast where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing journeys, how they got into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips from them as possible. This is one of a special series of episodes where we're speaking to people behind the scenes mm. in the publishing industry to try and find out how to make that book that you've written turn into first a real book and even possibly a film afterwards. So we've spoken to agents, editors and Hollywood managers to find out what journey your book takes and what these people are looking for. And uh, today's episode is another great episode with a US literary agent. Yeah, we're continuing the agent run right now with Mr. Eric Smith, who is a fantastic US agent. He works with people like Mike Che, like Alison Stein, and he's uh, an excellent author himself, which is great because it means he's kind of seen both sides of the table. He's worked as an agent looking after writers and he's a writer himself who's went on that journey. Yeah, so uh, he, he, he knows what yeah. he knows what it's like to be in those query trenches, yeah. which can be a bit of a scary and at times depressing place <laughs> as well. Yeah. So he, he gives us some really good advice um, and he's someone also that's really uh, lively on Twitter and giving out lots of advice on that and we speak to him about that as well. So it's a really great episode, so we hope you enjoy it. We'll get straight to it now. On with the podcast. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic, or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one.
I suppose the, the question to start with with yourself is, I know you write and you're an agent as well, but um, looking at the agency side of things first, how did you become a literary agent? Yeah, yeah. So so originally I was trying to become an editor. Uh, it's funny, I feel like I have a lot of agent friends who when you ask them, how did you become a literary agent? There's some sort of roundabout story that they, they end up telling everybody. <laughs> Um, but I've, I've been working in a publishing house for, for a number of years, uh, handling digital marketing and, and video production and just about everything you can imagine. And uh, I was trying to work my way into an editorial gig. It wasn't quite happening. Um, so I started applying for lots of editor positions. And then one day, the, this agency who I'd worked with quite a bit at the publishing house, because we'd worked on some of their titles, had a job opening open. And I, I very professionally DM'd the people at the agency and was like, hey, each other is this is this a thing I could apply for um and they were very kind and then they let me interview for it and and gave me a shot so uh yeah I've been an agent for about seven years now um but I came from a, a publishing background where I, I'd been in a publishing house for six years I'd, I'd written two books that had been published already so um kind of came equipped with with different skills that yeah. uh that some agents don't usually have and when you're when you're first getting into that world, I suppose, and I suppose, you, like you say, you've come into it from a slightly different world, but, you know, we all hear the stories about how many queries an agent gets a week and all <laughs> of this sort of stuff. Um, how do you even begin trying to select what, what, what to progress and things like that? Yeah, it's, it's difficult, you know, um, like you hear the stories of agents getting just inundated with query letters. And that's true. You know, I, I probably get a couple dozen a day, you know, and, and, and sometimes significantly more depending on um, an event that might be happening. Um, but usually you can get through them pretty quickly, not because the stories don't sound good, not because the, the, the writers, you know, aren't writing anything good, um, but because I get a lot of pitches for stuff that's not quite for me, you know, like, I don't work on picture books. I get a lot of picture book queries. You know, I, I don't work on uh, memoirs that aren't uh, in essay format. And I get lots of just very traditional, like straight to storytelling memoirs. Um, and that's fine. Like there's, there's nothing wrong with, with sending a query letter like that um, when maybe you're not quite sure what the agent works on. Um, but that means I get through them a little bit faster. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say maybe, maybe like 60% of the queries that I get like feel like they're made for me and that I should be reading these kind of books. Um, so I kind of sort them all out and I, I, I take the time every morning to sort out the pitches that feel like they're right for me. Um, so that when I have a day where I'm not, I guess, too overwhelmed by other things at work, like working on contracts or working on current client books that I can sit down and, and give them all the attention that they deserve. You know, I, I write too. So yeah. I, I totally understand how difficult it is to, to pitch your stuff out there. Um, so I, I make sure they all get my attention. And when you've when you've like knocked out that forty percent that's not really applicable to you, and you've got and you're left with that pile of stuff that is in your wheelhouse, what's your first step then? You know, I mean, obviously everyone knows that you go by the you got the query letter and you got the sample chapters, etc. So what do you do? What's your process? Uh, I just I look at the story. You know, does it sound like an interesting story? Does it sound like something that's wildly wildly unique? Uh, if it's a nonfiction project, I, I take a look at the concept. Like, is this something that I've seen before? Is it already out there in the market? Um, 
when it's also nonfiction, I look at the platform. Like, is this the person that should be writing this book? Are they the expert on their topic? Uh, if they're not, usually it's something that's not right for me. Uh, and when the story feels like it's right for me, that's when I keep going. And I, I read the 10 sample pages. Um, usually those sample pages, that's just to give me a sense as to what the writer's voice is like and if they can actually write. Um, and then I just, then I request more. And we often hear um, the importance of the query letter itself um, before you even get to the pages. I mean, what would you, what would you say are the do's and don'ts on a query letter? Yeah, and, and just to like, I don't know, maybe make any listeners relax here, you know, when it comes to that query letter, like, I request a lot of books that have had bad query letters, like, and, and, and have broken rules, you know, because the, the story sounds good, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world if you mess up on a little thing here and there. Like, agents aren't monsters that are just furiously deleting, like, little hiccups <laughs> there. Uh, like, like, you'll be okay. Um, and, and I guess, like, the, the big do's and don'ts there... Uh, like, first and foremost, just look at the submission guidelines to make sure you know what you're doing. You know, some agents don't like attachments. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a thing that might get you deleted. You know, like if you mm-hmm. send an attachment, they don't want attachments um, because maybe they have an assistant that's doing it for them. Or, or maybe they just don't trust attachments. Like, I, I don't. I get, I, get a, I get so much spam. I get so many phone calls from people asking me to extend my car warranty. You know, like I <laughs> <laughs> like you just you have to be careful, you know, so that, that might be bad. Um, so yeah, read the submission guidelines, make sure you know what it is they want. Uh, definite do's in my, in my book are, uh, you know, try to have a hook when you're opening your query letter, you know, that, that little opening line that lets us know, like, here's the title, here's the genre, here's the category, here's the word count, here's some comp titles, and here's the one line that's going to sell you on what my book is about. Um, I see this with I feel like I see this with every client that I sign when they say something like, um, like a good example, uh, I work with this one writer, Alison Stein, and her book, Road Out of Winter, it won the Philip K. Dick Award last year or two years ago, last year. And um, I remember her opening hook was, um, you know, my novel, you know, Road Out of Winter is perfect for fans of Station Eleven, The Girls, uh, and California. And it's about a... uh, a female marijuana farmer trying to escape climate change in, uh, in Appalachia. And right away, like that hook told me everything I need to know about that book. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, end of the world, climate change. It's going to be a feminist book. It's going to, uh, you know, be lyrical and literary. Like these books that this author mentioned, I'm going to request that. And like, I knew I was going to request it just from that hook before I even got to the pages. Um, so books are important. If you can have one, uh, the book section, which is just the jacket copy that you would have on your book. You know, it's the two or three paragraphs that you see on the back of every book in your personal library that tells you what the story's about, right? It tells you who the character is, tells you what the stakes are, like gets you firmly grounded in the story without ruining it for the, for the person reading the jacket copy. Uh, and then the, the about section, who you are. Like I, 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 I know with fiction, like that stuff tends to, not matter people say it doesn't matter but i think it does because you know when you're working with someone as an agent the relationship it might be business but it also ends up getting very personal like i want to work with people that are cool people you know and that that like i'm gonna want to talk to 
every week for years because we're getting this book put together. So say something about yourself, even if you have nothing published yet. You know, like when I'm not busy writing, I, I'm busy with my kids and I like going fishing or I, I like going for walks, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, and when it's nonfiction, that little section about yourself, tell us why you're the person to write the book. You know, like I have written articles and essays for yada, 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 yada. Uh, and that's what's going to grab us. Um, in terms of don'ts, uh, don't belittle your genre. I see that a lot. You know, like, oh, I'm writing a fantasy novel. Nothing has ever been written like this before. Let me explain <laughs> to you. Like, I hate that, you know, um, if you're writing nonfiction, don't send me a link to your Wikipedia page. Like, uh, that's not going to impress me. Like, I, I don't, anyone can have a Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, I want to feel like I'm going to get to know a person. I don't want to work with someone who's just like, here's my Wikipedia. I'm a big deal. Like that's, that's not interesting to me. Um, and yeah, I know I said, don't belittle your genre, but also don't belittle other books. I, I see that a lot where it's like, my book is so much better than this book, this book, and this book. And here's why. And maybe I know that author. Maybe I know the agent yeah. who worked on that book. Like it's a very small industry. Don't, don't do that. And, and on, on the subject of uh, comp titles, um, you know, we often hear they need to be recent. They need to be obviously in in the market that, that your book should sit in. But is that always the case? Or again, you, you referred earlier to sometimes the, the rules are broken. You know, if there's a particularly good comp that is a classic or older or something, is it yeah. is it valid to use that sort of thing? Or films even and things like that? So I think with comps, saying more about the comp and why it works for your book uh, is is more important than just like listing them, right? Mm -hmm. So like, there's nothing wrong with listing an older book, you know, like, oh, my book is perfect. You know, my novel is perfect if you like classics like X and Y, because yeah. my book does this and that. So like, when someone tells me like, oh, yeah, if you like classic romance novels by writers like Jane Austen, you know, my book is perfect for you because it has a slow burn or it has commentary on societal expectations. You know, like explain to me why. Um, and then use comp titles to talk about your voice at the same time. You know, like my book is perfect if you like the voice found in novels by, uh, you know, Sally Rooney or, or, or books by like Adam Sass, like whoever the writer is you want to list there. Um, I, I think older comps are only a problem when we think, that comp is what your voice is going to be like. You know, when right, someone tells right. me like, oh, my fantasy novel is perfect. If you like, you know, Tolkien and uh, Terry Pratchett, you know, and that's fine. But like, if that's what the voice is, it might not be fine, you know? Cause like, I don't, I don't want to read three books about people walking someplace, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's not going to work for me. Um, so like, just be very, specific with your comps and exact with your comps um so a, a good example of this um is like I, I like accessible science fiction like I put that pretty much everywhere uh and as a result I, I get a lot of people who pitch me and they're like oh my my accessible you know funny science fiction novel is perfect for readers of Douglas Adams right I get that a lot mm -hmm. uh I don't like Douglas Adams like I don't I don't think he's super i don't think his books are super funny like i don't i don't get that kind of quirkiness 
Um, but I get the humor found in someone like John Scalzi, who's like a more, more modern yeah. sci-fi writer. Uh, and usually when I pass on a project that's like that, you know, so I'll say something like that, like, oh, you know, like if you're writing very quirky sci-fi, that's like Douglas Adams, it's, it's not going to work for me, you know, but, but thank you for thinking of me. And the reply is almost always immediate where they're like, oh no, it's nothing like a Douglas <laughs> Adams. Did I see Douglas uh, Adams? <laughs> and uh so that's bad that's bad if you're using a comp like that when it, yeah. it doesn't match with what you're doing uh, and so so we've got the point now where you've you've got the query the query letters kind of got your interest you like the sound of the book the voice etc and you've read the opening pages and you know the the style seems good what's your next step then do you, do you request the whole book or do you ask for, for more chapters first yeah i do ask i just ask for the whole book um like our agency, we ask for the first 10 pages, uh, like paste it in the email, and then, then I usually ask for the whole book. And, and what happens at that point? Do you then just basically sit down and read it and just hope that the that, that you that you, that you you like the book? Yeah, that's it. Just yeah. sit down and read it. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> like I, I, I usually read it like, I'll like read it on my office computer. And um, like, I, I know a book is something that I'm going to want to work on when like, after like chapter three or stuff, I start working on it. You know, like I start like leaving notes on it. I'm like highlighting things like, oh, we would fix this. Oh, we would fix that if we work together. Um, that way, by the time I email them and I'm like, hey, you know, love the book. Here are a couple of things I would do. Do you want to have a conversation? Uh, and then we have that talk. I kind of wondered that because, you know, writers before they send it to agents will spend so much time trying to get the, the text completely perfect and, and it's always going to get seen by an editor and an agent. So it's, it's always going to go through edits and stuff. So how much leeway do you, you know, when you, when you, when you read something, you think, ah, this isn't perfect, but how much, how close to perfect does it need to be? You know, I suppose it's question. So, yeah, there, so there are these two agents I like a lot. Um, Eric Kane and Laura Zatz, they're, they're at uh, Headwater Literary. Uh, and when they talk about editing clients, they say that they edit to sell. Right. And that's, that's kind of the space I'm at when I'm reading something like uh, I can help a client polish up a couple chapters and, and maybe, oh, this character arc isn't quite working or, oh, we need to redo the ending here. Um, but that's kind of like the extent of the editing that I can do. I, I can't really do developmental edits anymore. Um, I used to be able to do that, but now I have a child and then there's not, there's no time. Like I, I have a very firm work-life balance where like, I don't work after five o'clock, day is over. Um, so developmental edits are, are kind of impossible. So I do light edits and, and touch-ups and things like that. Um, but like when you send a book to me and when you send a book to most agents, like you should be like, you know what? If this was on the shelf right now, I would be comfortable with that. And that's the space you should be in when you're sending it off. Um, even though we'll have things to change, we will. And one thing that... Um authors that are going through the process the query process often seem to get stuck on is uh, the synopsis I, you know so they might think oh i've written a, i've written a good book i've framed a nice query letter here but summarizing all of that into 500 <laughs> words or whatever is is a nightmare i mean how important is that in the process is that a sort of last check or does it not even matter that much for you <laughs> I don't think the synopsis matters that much. Um, I never ask for one. Like the, the only mm -hmm. time I ask for a synopsis is if the book is very long. Like if I get pitched like a hundred thousand word book and I request it, which very rarely happens. But if I do, like I ask for a synopsis because that's, 
that's a big time investment and I need to know what's going to happen here. Um, sometimes if I request a book and I, I feel like, I feel like it's going to have a too sad of an ending or, or something weird might happen. I'll ask like basically an, an agent, in my opinion, and an editor usually asks for a synopsis to find out if there's something fundamentally wrong with the book, right? Like I ask for a synopsis when I'm worried the ending is just going to mess everything up. Like I, I get to the end of the book and it's like, surprise, everyone's a ghost or like surprise. It was all a dream. Like, I don't want to read that like ever. So (laughs) that's usually why I ask for that. Um, And you know, most synopsises that I get like are usually like two pages long. So like, don't feel like you have to have it be like exactly a page. Um, Cause sometimes you can't explain a whole book in a page. Like I, I, I work on a lot of fantasy and sci-fi books and like the idea of describing them in a page uh, feels kind of impossible. And, and when it comes to your job, you know, you're, you're obviously got a lot of relationships with editors and publishers. And is that a really crucial part of your role to have these relationships that you can then, you know, you, you know how to pitch or, 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 or how to speak to someone rather than email, et cetera. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, like a big part of what an agent does is we, we have those conversations with editors. We get on the phone, we go grab coffee and we get to know like who they are as people, you know, and like what it is they, they, they're really into. Um, that way we're not just throw, what, what is that term? Like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like you, you don't want to <laughs> just like guess, you know? So, uh, you know, usually when I have a new project and it's in like a space I'm not super familiar with, uh, I, I end up sending a lot of brain pick emails. I'm like, hey, can you know what what are you looking for? What is your list like? Uh, and that's how you get to know people. I, I have a I have a few editors. Um, oh goodness. Uh, so there, there's a there's an imprint at Harlequin called Mira. Uh, and I have eight books with one editor there. Wow. Uh, and that's a result of of building that relationship and getting to know them and and, and really understanding what they're into and what their tastes are like. Um, you know, I had an editor at, at Albert Whitman who I had three books with and, and yeah, I'm just like looking at my bookshelves right now. Um, there's an editor at Soho Teen who I had four books with. So like, yeah, you have these, you build these relationships, you get to know them and you, you end up just doing book after book. And is a pitch. So obviously authors are effectively pitching to you in their query letters, but is your, when you're sort of doing that with at your stage of the process to editors does it does it change at all like are you more focused on the market where this could sit on the shelf and things like that uh yeah they change a little bit you know like the pitch that i send to editors (laughs) sometimes i just reword the query letters that i get you know and and i work i work on them with my author to, to make sure it feels like it's representing them correctly um but then i then yeah in the in the the manuscript i usually have these like bonus pages where I talk about like, here's why this book would exist in the market. Here's why, uh, here's the, here's the media trends that are following this particular nonfiction project, or here are some uh, examples of why this author is a, a star on the rise, you know, the kind of stuff that, you know, a writer wouldn't necessarily have in their pitch letter to an agent. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I bring to, to the, the editors. Cause really what you're doing um like when you think about an editor saying yes to a book, it's not just the editor, it's yeah. the sales team, it's the publicity team, it's all these people that are in the room. So as an agent, you have to give them as much ammunition as you can. And you have to tell them like, here's all the media stuff. Here's the publicity stuff. Here's, here's why this book will be easy for everybody. Uh, and that, that 
that helps get it through. And are those views that you think the author should also be having in their mind as well, you know, when they are thinking about the market and what their title is and where where it would sit and, and how much of a chance it has? Really? You know, I think an author's job is just to write the book. You know, that's it. Write, write the best story you can. Um, be aware of the market and, and what's on bookshelves, right? Like, sometimes I think authors here be aware of the market and they get scared. They're like, well, how? How do I do that? They go to the bookstore. That's, that's it. That's, that's, yeah. that's being aware of the market and, and what's out there. Um, because chances are you can't know about what's new and what's selling unless you're subscribing to all the different publishing specific newsletters to, to get to know all that stuff. But that gets overwhelming. That's, that's not your job. You know, your job is to write, write your best book. Um, yeah, that's it. And, and at the stage where, um, so you've, you've successfully pitched to the editor, um, the, the, the publisher is going to take it forward. Uh, obviously the, the contract thing comes into it. and do you get how involved in the contract negotiations do you get oh very very that's a, that's a huge part of the agent job mm-hmm. right we, we dig into the contracts um chances are your agency will have what's known as a boilerplate where they have a a contract that they this is all the stuff that we need to see to, to make this book go forward we've established this with past authors with this particular publisher with this particular corporation um it's what we want and more often than not, the publisher gives you that stuff because you've set that precedent uh, and it makes things move along a lot faster. Um, and that's when you start to negotiate things like advances and, and sub rights, you know, like I want to keep foreign rights. I want to keep audio rights. Um, I want to keep film and TV rights, which you're going to keep anyway, because publishers don't know what to do with that. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they try to keep them. That happens. And it's your agent's job to say, you know, <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then, and then we, we, some contracts take a couple days, some take half a year. It's all, uh, it all varies. And is that, is that as a result of the publishers or are some authors very, you know, strict about what they're wanting out of this? It's, it's usually the result of the publishers. Um, right. I, I've never had an author who like had a contract get held up because they didn't like a term here or there right mm-hmm. like usually the authors trust their agents and yeah. the agents and when you when you look at your overall list and the number of clients that you have is you know do you do you kind of like do you ever get worried that you maybe have too many that you spread yourself too thin is there like an ideal number that you would like to keep it at or is it just a case of you'll find the time yeah i'll find the time you know i uh yeah i never really feel like that my I feel like my list is like half fiction, half nonfiction. And, you know, a lot of nonfiction writers, they write a book every couple of years, you know, or they, 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 they're not regularly churning them out, um, all the research and all that stuff that has to go into them. And, you know, a lot of my authors, they're in terms of fiction, you know, some of them are a book a year person, some of them are a book every two years kind of person. Um, yeah, I never really feel like I'm, I'm juggling too much, which, which is always good. And, and with your authors, do they when they're thinking on their next book and stuff, presumably they'll have conversations with you about their possible paths that they want to take. And as again, part of your role, I guess, is to talk that through with them and see, see what maybe the best, the best plan is. Is that? Oh yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Agents, you should, authors should always fire their new book idea by their agent just to get a sense of, you know, is it something they want to work on? Cause they, they might not like the idea. Um, 
And if they don't like the idea, then then that's an opportunity to talk about why it might not be a good idea or, or what their next idea could be. Um, I had some of those conversations today with some clients where they fired a couple of new ideas my way. Some were good, some weren't. Um, yeah, that's perfectly normal. And then, you know, you, you might not agree with your agent. You might be like, oh, no, this is my next book. And then you go find another agent. And it's, it's that's a normal yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, you I touched on it at the start that you you also write yourself. You, you mentioned I that do, yourself. Do. Um, uh, and uh, your latest, I think there's a poster for it in the, in the back there, the Jagged Little Pill, <laughs> yeah. which is um, a collaboration with Alanis Morissette. Um, how did how did that particular collaboration come about and what's the book about yeah so that one uh i i wish it was more of a glamorous story you know because like <laughs> when i tell my family and friends they're like oh my god and like they, i bring up diablo cody and they're like oh my god she has an oscar how did that happen <laughs> uh and like the very unglamorous story is that like i i i'm you know on social media i talk a lot about the kind of books i want to see more of and I, I was talking about how I wanted more uh, stories about adopted kids. And I was like, oh, I need to write more. I'm adopted, you know, so like I, I, I should be doing more in that space. Uh, and an editor over at Abrams uh, who follows me on Twitter, Maggie, uh, was like, hey, you know, like I, I know you're looking to write more adoptee stories. We have this IP project. The creators want uh, an adopted person to work on the story. You know, can we hop on the phone and talk about it? I was like, oh my God, yes, yes. So I hop on the phone. Uh, fully expecting it's actually Star Wars because that's that's usually what that phone call is where they can't talk about it in an email. It's usually Star Wars or it's Marvel or just yeah something very something very hush hush. Um, but it was something else that was hush hush. It was this jagged little pill, the Broadway musical book, um, which I was just as excited about. I was like freaking out about it. Um, so they they sent sample pages that I'd, I'd done from some of my other books to to Alanis and to Diablo to see what they thought and they liked my writing they they picked me to do the book and and that was it and it was just it was just a year of a lot of emails with famous people um like, and like again it was one of those things where my friends and family were like are you flying out to LA what's going on I'm like no I'm just I'm in my office like a normal person <laughs> not, not as fancy as people think um and then, yeah, and then the book is, is an adaptation of the stage musical, which is inspired by Alanis' music. And it, it's about, uh, the musical has adults in it. Um, the, the YA adaptation focuses on the teenage, teenage characters from the musical. Uh, it's about these five kids whose lives all collide as a result of uh, one of them getting sexually assaulted at a high school party. Uh, and how all their relationships and their family relationships all kind of all kind of fracture under all this pressure uh, to figure out whether or not they should do something. Um, the answer is obviously yes, you should do something. And the whole book is about the importance of of raising your voice and being an ally and, and sticking up for one another, uh, even when things in your personal life, like your relationships or your family, uh, are kind of um, kind of a hot mess, which is which is what happens in the book. And. And when you, you know, you, how do you, uh, um, the kind of intersection between your writing and your agenting, um, you know, that's a lot to juggle. And especially, you kind of, you're kind of working both sides of it, aren't you? You know, you're, uh, how do you, do you try to avoid representing something that's too close to what you write? Do you, do you keep a, a kind of like a wall between that two parts of yourself? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I do work on a lot of YA books. Um, so, and, and I, I haven't quite fallen into that that hole yet where someone pitches me something that's too close to what I'm doing. Um, 
like I, I have gotten a few YA novels that are like, uh, like so, like my my one book, "Don't Read the Comments," is about like video games and and, and online harassment and stuff. And I, I've gotten a couple of books that felt a little too close to that. And I and I've said in emails like, "This sounds great," but I, I kind of wrote a book like this, and it's kind of weird to to represent something <laughs> like that. Um, so I've never quite gotten into that 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 messy spot. Um, I guess in terms of juggling it, uh, I, I just quoted this yesterday to a couple of friends, but, um, so Nora Roberts, there's this quote from her, I'm going to mess it up, but she talks about how, uh, in the writing life, you know, when you're juggling a whole bunch of things and in your personal life and, and just everything, uh, there's a moment where you have to realize some of the balls that you're juggling, uh, some of them are glass, you know, and some of them are made of plastic it's okay to drop the plastic ones, right? Uh, when it comes to all the juggling that I do, like my writing life, my books and stuff, those are the plastic ones. Like I, I, I have a day job where a bunch of writers are counting on me and I have a family at home that is counting on me. So like as much as I like writing my own books, that's the plastic in the juggling match. Mm-hmm. The, the glass uh, are all my clients who are counting on me to handle their careers and get them the book deals to provide for their families. So uh, that's kind of how I do it. You know, I, I just, man, it's a, so, you know, I'm adopted and my family is Irish Catholic. So it's the Irish Catholic guilt right there. Where I'm just like, <laughs> I don't matter. I don't matter. I'm gonna, I got to take care of my family. Like that's <laughs> turning into my dad. <laughs> that's a good analogy. I like that plastic and glass balls you're juggling. I'm, I'm going to use that at some point. Um, and so if we could sort of, um, sum up i guess what if someone's going through the query process right now what sort of general advice would you give them at the moment because i know it seems especially after the pandemic and everything it's it's very tough at the moment out there to try and find representation yeah i would just tell them to be like a little more patient than they would have been in the past like you have to be patient anyway, because publishing is just this big waiting game all the time. Um, you know, right now I have a lot of colleagues who are, you know, they're working at home with like two or three kids or they're, you know, they, they, their, their spouse uh, like can't be at home. And so they have to be at home. So they're only working at nights, you know, like it's a weird time right now, even, even for people who are, are in the industry, like editors who are working at home and doing the same thing. So it's, it's a little bit more waiting than, than I think people used to have to deal with. Um, so just be a little more patient, I guess. Um, and I think that's really all. Um, focus on what you can control in your writer life. And that's, that's your books. You know, that's, yeah. that's what you're working on. That's what you're writing. It's the connections that you're making. It's the friends you're making in the industry. Um, and then just, yeah, just just wait. I guess it sucks. I hate it, but yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, what's your views on nudges? You know, is there a period of time where it, it's okay for an age for an author to, to to nudge to see? You know, can I just check and what is, what's going on with my application? I am a big nudge fan. I, <laughs> I think it's fine. Like nothing bad ever happens, right? From nudging, like nothing, right? Like, like. I feel like the only time something bad from nudge, happening from nudging would be if you were like doing it every day, right? Then I'd be like, this isn't someone I want to work with, right? <laughs> yeah. like that, that would be bad. But, you know, if an agency says, you know, we'll get back to you with six to eight weeks and you hit eight weeks, there's nothing wrong with sending an email. It's like, hey, you know, like, I just want to see if you got this query, like if you're interested or not. Um, you might not hear back. You know, if you don't hear back, that's just, that just means it's not for them and that's okay. Uh, if it's a full manuscript that they've requested, 
send a nudge at the end of those eight weeks and, and see what's, see what's going on. Um, they'll, they'll reply to the nudges. Like we agents nudge editors all day, like all day. Uh, so it's, it's okay to nudge them. Um, and if they don't respond, that, that probably means it's a pass and that's okay. Just you just go on to the next person. Excellent. And uh, what are you, what's your own writing? What are you working on just now? Yeah, so, you know, I'm still promoting Jagged Little Pill. Um, that came out last month, which is wild to think about. Um, and my next book, it's called With or Without You. It comes out next year. Uh, it's about two teenagers who work in rival cheesesteak trucks uh, in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like rival cheesesteak stuff is a thing here in Philly. Uh, so it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun to write and, and dig into. So that'll be out in the fall next year. Cool. Excellent. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I like that. Um, well, uh, those were the main questions we had for you, but we always end every podcast by asking our guests the same questions. Uh, the first of which is, what was the last book that you read that you're Ooh, able to talk last, about? <laughs> last book I read? Um, yeah, I'm like, what book? Like, does it exist right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just picked up, uh, oh my God, why, why is that escaping me? It's like on my nightstand right now. <laughs> it's awful whenever you put, put on the spot your mind just goes blank it's, no it's, it's okay it's okay I, I know it's just i know it's just like sitting there um oh my god i'm like picturing the cover in <laughs> oh well maybe it'll come to me later it'll come, yeah um, maybe. move on to the next it, question Tarek. yeah, yeah that's fine we'll, we'll, we'll jump on to what was the last film that you watched <laughs> well i've also been reading um like in terms of middle grade books uh, I started reading The Marvelers by Daniel Clayton oh, yeah. and uh, Witchlings by by Clarabelle Ortega, which have been really, really fun. Um, I, I my, my son is not old enough for those books yet. He's four. But I've been like slowly piling up like a middle grade library in my house. Yeah. So like, when he's old enough, I can just be like, surprise, these are all <laughs> dad's friends. And he's, he, won't, he won't be impressed because kids are never impressed with that. Um, but at least I'll get to say it. <laughs> um, yeah. What about the last film that you watched? Ooh, the last film. Um, ooh. I feel like, is it an embarrassing one? Oh, no, no. I just watched um, The Lost City. Oh, was it good? Uh, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, which is just so so much fun. Oh yeah, my god! Like a kind of romancing the stone type. Yeah, yeah, it's like the the author is out on an adventure with her cover model. It's so it's so funny. Um, but before that, why? Which is why I was like, oh, it's something embarrassing. It's because I watched Morbius. The the. Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> um, is it as bad as people? Safe. you know what i i don't think it was as terrible as as everyone was saying like i had fun you know it's it wasn't good but like <laughs> you know it was like um it was like the venom movie right yeah, like yeah, yeah. i had a good time wasn't great it looked like it looked like the main character was wrestling like a black garbage bag in the entire movie <laughs> <laughs> um but morbius it was it was fun it it, it was super predictable but it was fun yeah. It's funny, the, the, the Venom films, the first one especially, I remember thinking it felt very much like the kind of comic book movie you'd get like in the 90s. Like it felt like a really old-fashioned type of comic book film. Um, exactly, yes. Uh, and okay, what about the last TV show you watched or are watching? So right now my wife and I are watching Severance uh, oh, on Apple. Brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. Really good. We're like four episodes in and 
I think it speaks to how good the show is because like my wife is like a big reality TV person. Like she doesn't really watch like scripted television. Um, and she's like super into it. So that's, that's a really good sign. So yeah. yeah I love Yeah. It's very much like what the hell is going on, but you, you, yeah. keep, you keep wanting to watch it and find out. So yeah, that's yeah, no, great. <laughs> Uh, well, that's the, the the very very last thing we always do is a super quick fire, either or, and uh, I always say there's no right answer apart from one. But we'll start <laughs> off with "Stand by Me" or "Kings of Summer." Ooh, uh, "Stand by Me." Nice classic. Uh, TV or cinema? Um, maybe TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, night owl or early bird? Oh, night owl. I stay up very late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fancy restaurant or takeaway? Takeaway. Nice. And uh, last one, real book or ebook? Oh, real book. Uh, incorrect answer, I'm afraid. That was. That Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, as usual, if you enjoyed it, please do take the time to give us a rating and review on your favourite podcast app and make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Please also give us a follow on Twitter or your other social favourite social media accounts at UK page one and drop us a message if you want to get in touch. Uh, otherwise, have a great week and join us next episode for another special chat with an industry insider.